Welcome to ERDB. I am Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. Hello. Thanks for joining us as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, rated as number five on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world, is 12 Angry Men. Released in 1957, starring Henry Fonda as the lead, 12 Angry Men is a courtroom drama focused around the 12 jurors, set entirely in a New York jury room. Based on the 1954 television play by Reginald Rose, 12 Angry Men was then adapted for the stage in 1955. The film is written for the screen and produced by Reginald Rose himself, and directed by Sidney Lumet in his first directorial role. So it was New York. Yes. I was wondering about that. You can't really tell the setting because this whole thing is in as one setting. It almost looked though like there was a one scene out the window where it's like, is that Wall Street? Because it looks like it could be. And I think they were pointing out like the Empire State Building or something at one point where they're like, oh, like over there. They were talking about the the ball game. I think that was the Yankees. So it would have given it away. Um, and they go to the men's room real quick, but apart from that, the entire thing is in one room. It's twelve actors. Yeah, I made. Some comment about it was like a bottle episode in a movie. Yes. It was kind of cool. It's very much like a bottle episode. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the budget was. Because it mustn't have been much. Well, what year was it again? 57. Okay. I think it's... I'm, I'm surprised it was still black and white, but then I guess a lot of stuff was black and white. Because it's probably time. cheap. Um, they definitely had color in, the, in 57. It's just more expensive. Mm. I think it was interesting to note that all the television play, the stage play... This movie and the remake from 1997 was all written by Reginald Rose himself. So the same writer, and he readapted and readapted. Yeah, he wrote the screenplay, again. he wrote the stage play, and it was based on uh, a similar sort of situation that he had as a juror. Oh, really? He was the one who stood out. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. So the premise is 12 jurors in a room. One of them disagrees and thinks that the... The defendant. The, it's a the murder accused case, right? Yeah. It's is... A, not guilty. Who thinks the accused is not guilty. No, he doesn't think he's not guilty. He, he just, just, he's just not 100% sure. And he that's has the point. reasonable doubt. And so the whole course of the, the movie is him basically convincing the others not that he's not guilty but that there is not enough hard evidence to convict this 18 year old kid is there reasonable doubt within your mind this was nominated for three oscars including best picture but i don't think it won any okay i can honestly you say that i'm kind of i can see why it didn't because it's like it was a good story. It's not like it was a riveting film. You know no. what I mean? Yeah. I think it was pretty compelling considering it's oh, just 12 guys in a room talking. It's it's literally just listening to their dialogue. It's all storytelling. Yes, the entire story comes from just listening to their dialogue and their mm-hmm. interactions, mm-hmm. which was really quite interesting. There was actually quite a lot of noticeable unbroken shots where yeah. it would go from one actor he would interact with one other and then it would pan across and then it would be someone else by the window and they would be talking and then it would go to someone else. You know what I mean? Like there's quite a few 
long shots like what that. What was that first one you noticed? How long do you reckon that one went There, w- There was a handful of them throughout the whole movie, um, and they were probably only three or four minutes each. That's still very But it's still not bad. For an unbroken shot. It's not like it's an action shot or anything, but all of the actors seem to be on point in those unbroken shots, mm-hmm. which is always very impressive to me. Um, there was one towards the end where the camera just zooms out and sits in the corner of the room and it just watches all of the men turn their backs on someone in the room. And it's just interesting to watch them all interact, uncut, as if you're just a bystander within the room. And maybe that's the point. Yeah, and it's interesting too, I think you made the point of saying that you could really see that it had been adapted from a play. So its life was a, a television play then, then the movie, right? And stage play. A television play, stage play, movie. Yes. Okay. So you could see, like, that shot in particular. It'll work well on the stage. Exactly. You can see that. And there was a lot of other acting, I want to say acting methods. That's probably not the word I'm looking for. But, but pieces of acting that you could see that would have been directly adapted from theatrical acting. There was a lot of, you know, it panned to different conversations between different individuals in the room one after another after another which would have been you know you could move around that setting because the whole set if this was a play and the whole set in the movie was a table that was pretty much it you know so it would have been relatively easy i think there was a few camera angles that zoomed out over the table and over some of the actors and then zoomed back in like it was, it was good camera work. It was noticeably good. Like mm-hmm. it had the way it was moving and shifting naturally around the room was like, really I quite think, nice. I think this is like cinematograph, cinematographically sound, wow. even by today's standards. Apart from the fact that everyone was smoking, is it's really held up quite well. Like it hasn't aged much. Yeah, that's the only thing. That's the, like there's, there's ashtrays all over the table. Let's smoke in the bathroom. Like you can't do that anymore. And there's also the, yeah. the fact that jurors are meant to represent your society and they're all men. Yeah, they were all men. upper class white men. And there's, no one, and there's no one really that was young either. They were all like middle age. Or older. Yeah, which yeah. is, again, all of that's a sign of the time. So apart mm-hmm. from that and the smoking, it's... It's not really that dated. And you didn't even... You had completely forgotten halfway through the movie that it was in black and white. Like, oh, you, you don't think of it at all. Not even halfway through. Within the first ten minutes, you don't even notice anymore. Which is something I've always kind of noticed about black and white films, is that it's only... I remember even the first one I saw as a little kid, I'm like, this is weird. And then after a minute, like, you don't even notice anymore. Yeah. I think the first black and white film I saw was Wizard of Oz. And you don't notice it until it turns to color. And you're like, whoa, that is a yeah. big shift. And that was what that movie was going for, really. Mm-hmm. And it was showing off the capabilities of color. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that the story comes about from just listening to dialogue. And there is conflict because they obviously disagree. And they're called 12 Angry Men. And it becomes more and more heated. Like, in it the does. beginning, you're like... Just 12 cool and collected men right at the beginning, you know, and as it goes on, as tempers flare, there's more and more conflict and more and more, I would say, socially significant conflict. There's kind of, there's racial discussions there. Uh, there's a poverty yeah, difference. like class differences, social immigration, discrimination and conversations. It's, it was quite relevant in terms of kind of highlighting 
those kinds of issues for the times. Because right around then, that would have been coming into the civil rights movement in the United States, yeah. wouldn't it? So that was kind of a, I think, a soft way of kind of introducing, hey, you can't really hold these views. One of the arguments of one of these older American gentlemen was that they run the slums and they're nothing and you can't trust any of them. And there was one man on the jury who said, you know, I grew up in that neighborhood Maybe it wasn't an ethnicity kind of comment. Maybe it was just a class Like a thing. class comment. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's know. compelling that they're able to make the story with just conversations. And it was interesting because I think both sides made good points. Like, even if you disagreed with them, you, you kind of can't really argue because they did make good points. There was evidence pointing towards both sides. The whole way through, right from beginning to end, I didn't really have a side I was on. And because of those arguments, I, because obviously as movie watchers, we didn't see the trial. We didn't have the information that, say, the characters had. Because the movie starts with them going into the jury room. Right after the trial, yeah. We didn't see the trial. No, I just think that's a really good point to make because it shows that you can't take anything at face value. You really need to... Think about it. Exactly. Especially when someone's life's on the line. And that was the whole purpose here, too, that don't take it casually. Yeah. Mm. Well, I was saying to you, I was in a very similar situation when I was put on jury. Mm -hmm. I was 18 and I got put for jury duty. And I was really interested. And I'm like, yeah, I want to go, you know. And what was the case again? It was was a case of a man was touching his granddaughter. And Ooh. yeah, it was a, it was a kind of a busy kind of uh, family. It's indigenous family, so they're very close. Uh, and so he he was touching her, and we looked at the evidence there. And I was one of the twelve jurors who disagreed with the evidence. Everyone else thought that he was guilty, and I wasn't entirely sure. And everyone else sort of had this idea of oh, we just want to go home, you know. We don't want to be here any longer for another day or see any more of the evidence because they were getting tired of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this guy deserves the chance. He which deserves is, the fairness that anyone He does. So we all looked over all of the evidence again on a second day and we came to the conclusion that he was guilty. But it was a very similar situation to what this movie presents and I don't think this anything should be taken lightly. I mean, it wasn't the death penalty because that he was up for. you did have reasonable doubt in your mind, so you wanted to go back It's over not that, that I thought he was innocent. It was the fact that I had reasonable doubt. You weren't sure. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure. And that's exactly what this Henry character... Henry Fonda's character was kind of pushing for there. He's like, I don't know if he did it. But that's the point, is that I don't... I'm not going to assume that he did, because in that situation, the penalty was the death penalty. What What is the death penalty? What would it have been? The electric chair? Electric chair. Okay, because I was thinking, what would they have had? It, Do they still have the death penalty in the US? In certain states. Some states? Yes. And it's injection these days? I believe so. There was a time... I don't know if there was ever hanging in the states, but there certainly was. I'm sure England. there would have been. Um, And then it was the chair... Not sure how that's more humane. We're getting into an ethical conversation. <laughs> we don't need to go here. Um, but yeah, uh, some states, yes, still. Some states. Is it? Do you have it in Australia? I don't think we have it. We don't have it in Canada either. So. Okay. Yeah. It was interesting that it was. It wasn't crucial to the plot, but it was a nice little detail at the beginning of the film. They mentioned that it's going to be one of the hottest days on summer, and you can see the men getting gradually sweatier and sweatier. 
adding throughout. to the anger. And yeah, cranky. and you can see that they're uncomfortable. But I just think that must have been difficult to film because if you're trying to film chronologically, you would have to cut film and make sure that they're not any more sweaty than the last frame sort of thing. Yeah, and something I noticed too on that note was... One of the men who held on to the guilty conviction. Somebody the guy who kept turn- putting his glasses on? Not the guy who kept putting his glasses on, the guy who left his glasses on. Okay. The, the man next to him turns to me and says, Don't you ever sweat? And he says, No. And he was wearing a jacket. He was wearing a full suit jacket. And he looked hot just by looking at him because everyone else is sweating and he's wearing a jacket. But he never took it off and he wasn't he wasn't sweating. And by this point, you know, everybody's sweating for their shirts and they've got a sheen on their foreheads and all this he you know not breaking a sweat and we reach a point in the in the progression of the conversation where he has doubt cast upon him you know what i mean by the evidence that henry fonda's character is he definitely puts him on the spot up. and it, you can see at that point there's one little droplet of sweat rolling down his i thought forehead. that was a really nice touch yeah i thought it was too because you could tell that he was getting to this character and that's the turning point for his character from turning from definitely guilty to, um, um, I think he's actually not guilty. For that, Mr. The, not Sweater yeah. guy. Yeah. It's interesting that you call him Mr. Not Sweater because they didn't name anyone. No, the Everyone only... was named by numbers, except for the very last scene, yeah. which was completely irrelevant. I think, okay, if we're going to go by that, I think he was number four, that one. I'm not sure if they yeah. were sitting in order. At the beginning they were. Oh, were they? Yeah. Um, yeah, the only ones that were named were... The two at the very end who were... They just shook their hands and that was the last thing you heard of the yeah. movie and they just walked off. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not sure why he added that in there. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, they were the first two to have that not guilty. For yeah, me. the old, older man. I really liked the progression of his character too. He was quite meek and weak. And by the end of it, he's like, you listen here, you He wasn't sh- taking shit by the end. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like I really liked that because he was being bullied and he just stood up he was quite well spoken yeah stood up for himself and said i'm not taking this you know what i mean yeah yeah he stood up for what he believed in and i think that is what a big message from this movie is he didn't want to just do what everyone else was doing and bend to the whims well that was interesting because they took a vote in the beginning and 11 of them said guilty until he made them do it on a ballot and because no one else could see them doing it and who, what they voted, it changed mm-hmm. the results, which is interesting because if everyone else is doing one thing, I may as well do it as the same, you know? Which you could definitely see in that hand-raising vote because about in that first scene, about seven of them went up and then a couple more and then one more. You know yeah, that I mean? you could tell that they were thinking about it like, and uh, just being like, so. well, yeah, everyone else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Except for the one man, Henry Fonda, who stood up for what he believed in. And I think that's a that's a good point to take away from mm-hmm. it, particularly when there's such stakes on the line. So no, absolutely. I think that's a very good message that probably why it's become such so popular and after 50 years. It's interesting that this movie is number five. Yeah, because it's one of the older. It definitely you know, is. Is it the oldest within the top 10? Yes. Okay. The good, See, the bad, and the ugly is in there, but I think that's from 68 or something. And I was quite impressed because, like, it didn't feel... Honestly, it didn't feel old-timey. That's you why I was I mean? saying it, it's yeah. aged well. Yeah, it really has. And I quite enjoyed it. I thought the acting was great. I thought the interaction... I thought there was really great chemistry between all of the actors. Yeah, I don't think it would have worked well otherwise. No. 
Yeah. And it wasn't wasn't a very long movie. It wasn't too thrilling. It's a, just a nice sort of makes you sort of think. Yeah. I mean, it's not one of those, oh, let's throw it on on a Saturday afternoon kind of thing. But it's... If you're... It's interesting to have a discussion. Exactly. Which is all what we're about. <laughs> well, that's our discussion of 12 Angry Men. And uh, even though it is a bit older than some people might be used to, um, don't let that discourage you. It is a good film. It definitely has some good messages. So check back with us next week. We have been Daniel and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or comment on SoundCloud. And until next week, thanks for listening.